It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Dr. James Moss is a social psychologist and professor at Cornell University, and he's best known for his work in the field of sleep research, specifically the relationship between sleep and performance. He coined the term power nap, and he wrote the best-selling book, Power Sleep, and his latest book is called Sleeping for Success, Everything You Must Know About Sleep But Are Too Tired to Ask. And he's joining me today on Amy's Table. Hello, Dr. Moss. How are you? I'm great, Amy. Just great. Thank you. Well, I've got to say we all slept better after the last time you joined us on our show. And, you know, daylight savings time. Here we are. How do we face this? I seem to really sort of suffer repercussions from it for a while. Well, it takes a little bit of time to readjust. Actually, uh, the difference of one hour doesn't make that much difference, except researchers have found that, uh, for example, in the spring when we lose an hour, uh, people within the next week have more car accidents. Uh, so certainly there are deleterious consequences to not getting enough sleep, uh, not only daytime drowsiness and micro-sleeps when you least expect them, God forbid, it happens when you're driving a car, but also there's increased risk for heart attacks and stroke, type 2 diabetes, uh, or periodontal disease, cancer, skin problems, type 2 diabetes, and we tend, when we don't get enough sleep, to be irritable, anxious. We can even be depressed. We can gain weight. We lose our sense of humor, our socialization skills. Our golf game, our tennis game suffers because our reaction time is slowered, and we have decreased cognitive performance. We have a reduced ability to process information, to concentrate, to remember, to communicate well, to think creatively and critically. We make kind of poor decision skills, especially performance. So sleep deprivation is not something that we really want to experience, yet 71% of us, Amy, are not getting the recommended seven and a half to eight and a half hours of sleep on a usual basis. And then when we deduct an hour, that's even worse uh, because right now, although if you ask people on average how much they sleep during the work week, they'll tell you about seven hours. But frankly, uh, people are not good judges when we put active watches on people to measure how much sleep they're actually getting. Their estimates are about 40 minutes uh, greater than the actual sleep they get. So the typical American and still in the workforce uh, is getting maybe six, six and a half hours of sleep, uh. and uh, then we're going to lose another hour uh, as we uh, spring forward. And so, so they're uh, going to be a mess. <laughs> we, we can be a nation of walking zombies for a few days. So well, you know, you mentioned you mentioned yeah. seven and a half or eight hours of sleep. Is that the magic number? Because honestly, I don't think seven and a half is enough for me. Well, there, that's a good question, Amy. There are individual differences uh, that are really linked uh, to genetics. If both of your parents were short sleepers uh, and were fully alert all day long, you might be one of the lucky 5% that can do okay on five or six hours of sleep. But as a rule of thumb, most of us have to get about one hour more than we're getting. Yeah. And, uh Women, for example, uh, premenstrually, uh, during pregnancy, uh, 
at the beginning of menopause actually need more sleep than they usually do, and women have more insomnia than men. Uh, they're lighter sleepers, and uh, for the most part, women need a little bit more sleep than men do. Well, it's funny. I saw an interview someplace, I think it was on Oprah, frankly, that Jane Fonda was talking to her about her nine hours a night of sleep, and I decided to try it for a few days a couple of weeks ago, and you know what? It was great getting nine hours of sleep, but well, it's hard to do. Uh, I've uh, I've talked to Jane in person, and she is uh, still drop-dead gorgeous. See? Citizen. That's right. Uh, now, some people will say, well, you know, on weekends, sometimes I, I stay in bed, get a little bit more sleep, and when I get up, I feel groggy. Well, it's not because you're more tired. Actually, it's because you're waking up later in your typical circadian rhythm, in your typical cycle, and your temperature is higher than normal, so it makes you feel a little out of sorts for maybe uh, a day of added sleep. But when you establish a routine, and Amy, this is critical, uh, not only get your required amount of sleep, but go to bed and get up at the same time, Monday through Monday, uh, including the weekends, uh, you will feel like, like a tiger. You will feel like you've never felt before. A lot of people who extend their sleep over time by about an hour email me or they call me or they write me and they say, Jim, I never knew what it was like to be awake before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I know from my little Jane Fonda experiment that it, it would be worth me trying to get nine hours. I think I'm someone who needs more than the average Joe, but I could be wrong. But is there an ideal bedtime? You know what I mean? Are our bodies set up to go to bed at 11 and get up at 7 or not really? Not really. I mean, uh, you know, Grandma used to say that sleep before midnight is the only worthwhile sleep. That's a little bit of a myth, you know. I think she wanted her kids home and in bed <laughs> so she could go to sleep. And be That's asleep. right. That's if, right. If if you were to go to bed uh, at one in the morning every morning and get up eight hours later, you'd be just as alert as somebody who goes to bed at seven or eight at night. Most adults uh, get sleepy somewhere. That is, if they don't nap during the day. Uh, and they haven't had alcohol within three hours of bedtime, and they haven't had caffeine after two in the afternoon. Most adults uh, get sleepy around 11 at night. There's a huge difference, however, with teenagers. From puberty to the age of 25, your circadian rhythm, uh, because of the growth spurt or the growth hormone secretion that occurs around midnight, these high schoolers and college students uh, have a circadian rhythm that shifts so that they're maximally able to go to sleep at 3 in the morning oh. and wake up at 11. So it's insane. That's my kids. I mean, it's, truly. <laughs> it's insane that schools start, high schools, middle schools, colleges start Anywhere before 10 or 11 in the morning. It's a waste of educational dollars. You know, I, I agree with you. And not only that, but parents should then be allowed to shift because they're tired because they couldn't sleep with those little monsters up and running around, you know? Right. Is uh, there... You know, parents, parents say to their teenagers, honey, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night. Go upstairs and, and go to bed. Yeah. You have to get up early to go to school. Well, these kids are the most tired segment of our population, but because of their circadian rhythm... And the 
growth hormone being secreted around midnight that blocks the flow of melatonin in the brain, uh, which is what puts you to sleep when you do turn off the lights. So it's not their fault that they can't go to sleep. It's a matter of biology. Now, you know any kids who are listening right now are going to turn around and quote you right back to their parents. It's not my fault, Mom. It's a matter of biology. Well, that is, that, <laughs> Amy, that is absolutely true. Now, yeah. what do you do if you can't get the schools to change start times? And we've had great success, particularly with prep schools throughout the nation, where they've, they've shifted the school time so the kids start an hour or two later. Grade point average goes up, mood goes up, drug use goes down, athletic victories go up, health goes up. Every variable that's important changes. But until we can convince schools to do that, uh, what we have to do is encourage, uh, encourage our kids to get exposed to bright daylight spectrum light when they first wake up. Uh, you can even, if you're in the south, you can do it by just opening the curtains. If you're up north, especially at this time of the year, uh, you have to get artificial daylight, uh, like a light book, L-I-T-E-B-O-O-K, uh, that gives you daylight spectrum light for 15 or 20 minutes when you wake up, and that will help shift your biological clock. That would Other be great. That, there's no way to do it. That would be great to build right into an alarm clock. Has someone invented that yet? Uh, yeah, the, the, the source is about the size of a paperback book, and you put it two feet away and 45-degree angle to you. You don't want to stare at it, but it has to hit your retinal surface, which in turn will affect your hypothalamus and shift your biological clock. I do want to add something that's really new in terms of research that could be very helpful, and this is it. Uh, it turns out that 95% of our population use electronic gadgets within an hour of bed. Uh, either they're surfing the web, they're watching television, or the worst thing they can be doing is using an iPad because these electronics emit a huge amount of daylight spectrum light. Oh. So you've got to get a, uh, either cut out all electronics within an hour of bedtime. So when you do turn off the lights, melatonin will get secreted. But if you use these gadgets and don't uh, turn, out, uh, turn them off, uh, this daylight uh, exposure blocks the secretion of melatonin. So when you do turn off the lights, you're not sleepy. And so what we have to do is either, as I say, cut out the electronics or get yourself a pair of glasses. These are not sunglasses. They look like sunglasses, but they're specially made to block blue daylight spectrum light. You can look it up on the, on the web. Uh, you don't want to get a drugstore pair for $14. That's not going to do it. Uh, some of these glasses are a little bit on the expensive side, but it enables you, if you put these glasses on, to continue watching TV, surfing the web, doing your homework on the computer, using Facebook, uh, being on your iPad, and not have melatonin blocked. Wow, that's going to be a whole nother side effect of technology that we never even thought of, you know, that Facebook is going to create an, uh, you know, a generation of insomniacs because I know most of us are looking at these things right up till bedtime. Gosh, I had no idea. Well, you are always so interesting, and I'm sure the latest book, Sleeping for Success, Everything You Must Know About Sleep But Are Too Tired to Ask, is going to provide as much information as the last book, Power Sleep. But- right. it's, it's, it's Sleep for Success, 
And uh, it is available major bookstores and also Amazon.com. That's terrific. Well, Dr. Moss, I'm going to put all of your information on amystable.com, but it's so great to speak with you. And thank you again for all of the wonderful information. We're all going to sleep better tonight. It's been my pleasure, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. For more, visit Amy's blog with Q102 online at WKRQ.com.